Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. I'm Greg Mahochko. Joining me is, uh, he's, I'm going to let him explain it, because he, he, he just, before we started recording, just the, the perfect transition from our summer series to our now that we're in season, but Haas Reuter joins me. Haas, you summed it up best just a moment ago. Take it, please. Yeah, uh, we we're transitioning with the start of this season from being the law firm to being the law. We're going to start dropping two episodes per week, one on Monday morning after games, and then one later in the week leading up to the next game as a preview. And so uh, we're going to be the new sheriff in town. It's kind of a shot across the bow over to our good friends at the Cobcast. And we say that uh, because they are our friends, and we love uh, uh, Tweety and Pat and even Joe, I guess. And uh, Much love. Much love. But, uh, uh, you know, their their episodes drop on, on their site on Tuesdays. But like our episodes, you can get theirs on iTunes on Mondays. So uh, we're just going to throw a bunch of Husker content at you. And uh, and hope that you enjoy it. And what I love about the Cobcast versus us is it's not a competition. We're two completely different shows with you know different perspectives, different takes, and uh, uh, that's why we get along so well. So let's dive into it, shall we? Um, oh, it was a lot of excitement. I, I was I couldn't sit still uh, after you know about halfway through the third quarter. Um, Nebraska, their uh, season opening game. They host the Colorado Buffaloes, of course. We all know the outcome of that one, uh, ending up on the uh, short side of a 33-28 score. Colorado scores late. We're going to talk about the, the positives and the negatives that we saw in that game, Hoss. But, I mean, oddly enough, I, f- I felt really encouraged. And despite the loss, I mean, obviously you want to win and, and you want to start the season out on the right note. But nothing's going to come easy this season. We learned that last week uh, when the game with Akron got rained out, stormed out, whatever you want to call it. Nothing's going to be easy for this group. Um, and it was a quality Colorado team that came in. I, I really thought that the game should have been won by the Huskers, but you can't give the ball away as many times as they did and, and expect to win. Um, but I, I still you know, came away from it in the general sense with, with a lot of positives. I made some notes as I was watching the game. And, uh, um, you know, just more, more pluses than negatives uh, on, on my sheet. Definitely. Uh, when I was walking out of the stadium yesterday, I was disappointed, obviously. Um, we let one get away from us. But in no way was I discouraged. There were there was a lot of encouraging signs of growth, rushing for 329 yards with an offensive line that, while they weren't the most technically sound and they had a few missed assignments in crucial moments, they played pretty well. Um I mean, I'm not even going to say pretty well. They played really well, all things considered, especially when you contrast, compare and contrast that with the offensive line performances last season. Mm-hmm. 
defensively, we had seven sacks. First time, you know, we've hit that many sacks in a game since 2013. All of last season, we had 14 sacks. So there, there's encouraging growth. Adrian Martinez looks like the type of quarterback that we desperately wanted and needed at various moments in the past 20 years of Husker football. Obviously, we've had a few good quarterbacks in that time frame, but Adrian Martinez, to borrow the nickname given to Paul Pierce, he looked like the truth. And uh, we're there's a lot of encouraging signs. You touched on a lot of things that were, you know, as much as I would like to, you know, go in chronological order based on my notes, it, it you know, a couple of things that you hit on, uh, you talked about the sacks and had seven sacks and last year, you know, the team only tallied 14. So what I, you know, noted, uh, in, in fact, I, I, I put this down as a joke. Did we have more sacks in this game than we did in all of last year? Obviously not, but I love that defensive line, man. I thought that they were they were playing lights out. I thought they were getting after it, and, and really on the both offensive and defensive lines uh, were controlling the line of scrimmage for most of the game, I thought. Same here, uh, and I can't even tell you the last time we did that. It's been that long that we controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Starting with the defense, uh, you know, the sacks from our down defensive linemen, you know, Carlos Davis or Khalil Davis. I can never remember which one's 94 and which one's 96. But um, well, they both were the sack that he had. Oh, absolutely. The sack that one of the Davis twins had on Montez where he just, you know, dropped him. Uh, I haven't seen a sack like that from a Nebraska defender in a long time. Ben Stille, you know, getting a sack from lining up at the nose guard position in our, you know, third down diamond nickel packages. It was it was just a sight for sore eyes to see some serious displacement going going on on both sides of the football on the line of scrimmage. You, you mentioned uh, the Davis twins, uh, Ben Stille. I thought Stoltenberg, you know, of course he, he was chosen as a captain, but I thought Mick played a, a terrific game at that tackle position as well. Yeah, Mick played a pretty good game. And, uh, Mick played a pretty good game, and he had some issues. Um, or, sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there. Peyton Newell about Colorado started to get something going on in the run game in the middle a little bit in the latter half of the third quarter and early fourth quarter. And Damian Daniels played really well as well. This is our first opportunity to see, I mean, the team really. I mean, they don't show a whole lot in the spring game. So this was your first opportunity to see the defense that Eric Chenander put out there. One of the things that, that really – stuck out to me was the way that the defenders were just getting after the ball. Uh, there wasn't, you know, un- unless it was, you know, the rare occasion where a solo tackle was necessary, and, and there were a couple of them uh, where, uh, you know, a Colorado yeah. Buffalo ran right into, you know, right at a defender who made, you know, unlike years previous, made, you know, good, solid tackles. You always saw more than one or two red jerseys around the play, and that was something I think that, that – the Huskers have been lacking in the last few years. Oh, absolutely. Um, I noticed that during the game about our open field tackling was, you know, spot on. We were limiting yards. Guys weren't squirting out of a tackle. And, 
you know, picking up a few more yards when we'd get a guy on them, you know, they're going down and guys are rallying to the football, even on, you know, sweeps and screens to the perimeter. You saw linebackers and defensive linemen rally out to the ball. and um, It's just they're playing aggressively and they're playing fast and you're going to give up some plays when you play aggressively, but you're also going to make more plays than not. So it, it was just, it was a breath of fresh air to see, you know, Shenander's scheme in action. And we had some issues in the secondary, especially when we started playing a little bit more zone against Colorado. But, um, you know, the pressure was there. There were times where the coverage looked pretty good. There's a, there's a lot to be really hopeful about. When you look at Chenander's defense, I mean, I was thrilled. You know, I'm, I'm no secret. I'm a, I'm a Blitzburg Steelers fan, and so I was, I was just happy to see all the blitzes that were dialed up because, again, that's something that it seems like we haven't seen. You know, as far as you know, sending numbers, getting pressure on the quarterback, and you know, when they send some of those, uh, you know, linebackers or, you know, the the rare occasions where they would send a, you know, on a corner black blitz or something like that. That was really refreshing to see. And I'm curious uh, as to, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of risk involved in in blitzing uh, because a lot of times, you know, it can leave a, a, an odd man, you know, open or something like that. But just the way that they were getting after the quarter, that, that that helped attribute to the the seven sacks that the team had. But I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on, on, you know, Chenander's, scheme and and the the blitzes that he was dialing up well a lot of the time we were playing when we'd bring pressure we'd bring extra guys on blitzes obviously but we were also getting home with only four at times and we were even if we weren't getting to the quarterback for a hurry or a sack we were at least you know chain you know pushing displacing the offensive line backwards. He didn't have all day just to sit back there comfortably and throw. And uh, what I totally lost my train of thought. Well, I looked up at the Green Bay Packers game for a second and just totally went out the window. Uh, what was the second part of your question? Oh, just, just you know, talking about uh, – uh, I mean, you, you pretty well answered my question. I was just wanted your take on, on you know, the – blitzing packages and, and just the overall, you know, play calling that, that Chenander had because it, it seemed like, you know, yeah. obviously Chenander's a different, you know, defensive coordinator than we've had in the past, but it just seemed like he was ready to get out there and, and you know, make some aggressive play call. Yeah, he was. He wasn't content to sit back in, you know, soft coverage and not bring extra pressure on passing downs and he wasn't content to have guys blitzing from depth, you know, lined up five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage. He was content, you know, he or he was not content. He was ready to, you know, tighten down coverage on the receivers with press man early in the game. And he was also, you know, he was wanting to get after the quarterback, make life hell for him, you know, distort uh, and change pass protection calls the line of scrimmage and confuse guys, you know, offensive linemen, running backs, and tight ends on where the blitzers coming from, you know, so they couldn't adjust their protections. And I think we saw a wider array of blitz packages and different sub packages within the defense in one game than we did from Bob Diaco all of last year. He had a 
you know, he really didn't adjust formationally. He didn't, you know, he really didn't have a wide variety of blitz packages. They were all pretty generic. And to see, you know, Eric Shenander just ready to fire every last bullet in the gun, that was, you know, that was cool to see. It was good to see. You know, he kind of, he's a little bit of a riverboat gambler, uh, defensive coordinator. While we're talking about some positives that we saw on the defensive side of the ball, uh, it, I don't know if it was necessarily a name that you know we we talked about in as far as you know potential defensive MVPs or or you know people to watch out for. But how impressive was Mo Berry in in that first? I mean, he looks like he I mean put on some serious good weight in, in the offseason. I mean, the strength and conditioning program really helped him. He looked like a man out there and, and took care of business, and, and he was a lot of fun to watch. He looks like an SEC linebacker. The way he was flying around, you know, out to the perimeter to stop sweeps and screens, the way he was blitzing, the way he was, you know, coming downhill against the run. And I think he, what he finished with, like 11 or 12 tackles, yeah, I mean, something uh, like that. It seemed like it was definitely... That was an impressive performance. Like, that was a grown-ass man performance by Muhammad Barry. Did we, in the off-season or preseason conversations, did we sleep on him a little bit? I mean, we had, you know, a lot of talk about, like, the Will Honuses coming in. And, and uh, I mean, it just seems like Barry wasn't one of those guys who was getting a lot of preseason love. I'm not saying necessarily from everybody, but it seems like from us, we didn't... We didn't uh, yeah, you know, show show as much you know, attention or appreciation for him as as you know he in in one game you know clearly deserves. Yeah, I think we slept on him a little bit, um, and I think a lot of that was because he's, despite you know last year being his third year in the program, um, he was he was basically an unproven commodity. He registered in fifteen, saw limited snap, saw limited snaps in sixteen. In 17, you know, that's just a total washout with Bob Diaco, you know, as the defensive coordinator. And so going into this year, he wasn't really a guy that came to mind when talking defensive personnel. Uh, you bring up Will Honus, Dedrick Young, uh, maybe even a Colin Miller, Luke Gifford. But Mo Barry was very rarely in that conversation, along with Tyron Ferguson. And Tyron Ferguson played a very good game yesterday as well and so i had a feeling that we'd have a few defensive surprises as they're always or just surprises on either side of the ball regardless of offense or defense because when a new staff takes over guys get a fresh start a blank slate and i think uh i think mo barry is going to be one of those guys and and you know you perhaps said it best uh you know in comparing him to some of the linebacker products that you know come out of the sec country I mean, that's high praise and some next-level talent, it seems. And and I say that with, with you know, uh, the disclaimer that it's one game, and obviously we hope that he's averaging, you know, 10, 12, 14 tackles a game every game. I mean, that, that and I think he has the ability to do that. But, you know, from a limited sample size, especially this season, uh, you know, it certainly got my hopes up for him and what, what he's going to be capable of, uh, you know, in this season. 
do let's talk a little bit about the cornerbacks or, or uh, the, not the necessarily cornerback, but the defensive back situation a little bit. Um, I thought that they played pretty well. Uh, you know, there there are a couple of missed opportunities. Uh, of course, there was the uh, uh, interception that went right through DiCaprio Boodle's hands. Um, I know that uh, Tweedy rolled a tear when that one happened. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, overall, I mean, compared to the defensive back core of the last couple of years, and, and, and I say that I love Joshua Kalu. I wish he would be here for this coaching staff. I wish he had that one extra year. Um, but it just seems like as a unit they were they just played a little bit better. You know, yesterday, right after the game, well, in game and right after the game, I was pretty down on our secondary play just because while the pressure was there on the quarterback from the front seven, the back four, and the linebackers dropping into coverage, we were giving up some yards through the air, obviously, as with how much was it, 351 that Montez threw for. So when, you know, just the knee-jerk, total, you know, reactionary mindset, I was thinking, man, we're screen door on a submarine leaky in the back end of the defense. But in rewatching the game, the coverage was actually pretty good most of the time. Now, LaVisca Chenault is an NFL wide receiver. That guy is damn good. And other guys, Colorado had KD Nixon and uh, Jay McIntyre. Those guys are good football players. And like the expression goes, the opposing team's players are on scholarship too, and their coaches get paid too. Like they're going to find their opportunities. And so a lot of the times, guys getting open ended up being, you know, they'd find a soft spot in the zone when we switched to zone coverage in the second half. And they would, you know, they were just dialing up good plays. And I was actually really encouraged when I went back and watched it this morning and this afternoon and watched the DBs and saw, you know, Montez was just fitting the ball into the window sometimes. And um, other times they found the soft spot, as I already mentioned. But, uh, by and large, I thought the safeties played better than the corners. Uh, Deontay Williams is a very, very good player. Uh, physical and run support. He had a beautiful pass breakup on a fade route in the end zone. And uh, I'm excited to see what guys like you know Deontay Williams and DiCaprio Boodle can do moving forward. We've spent a lot of time talking about the uh, defensive side of the ball. I want to switch the the – I don't think it surprised anybody that the first play of the game was going to be a run, uh, and Greg mm-hmm. Bell uh, got his, his number was called, and I thought Bell played solid. Straight line, he doesn't have breakaway speed, uh, and, and I think that was kind of evident. Um, had had you know several nice runs, but nothing that you know really broke away. It seemed like there was a lot of times where if, ooh, if he was just a fraction, uh, you know, faster than. You know, would, that play could have gone longer or the score would have been there. You know, might have affected the outcome of the game. And that's not to disparage the good damn name of Greg Bell. But, uh, you know, he, he had, you know, I think he had 100 yards rushing on the day. Um, but uh, uh, give me your thoughts on that running back core because Maurice Washington, uh, Divino Zigbo all got touches. I mean, and, and Washington, yes, I, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. I'm not eating my words or anything like that, but real deal. 
and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the, in the next few years. But let's talk about that running uh, running back core, and obviously we've got a, a quarterback situation to discuss as well. Yeah, Greg Bell not having that fifth year was really evident on one of his long runs where he got caught from behind, where we were running a long trap or a one-back power play all the way to the tight end on the right. And the C-gap is that intended point of attack, and you know, he had the vision to notice that the weak side inside linebacker had vacated that A gap and scraped over the top towards that C gap. And, you know, instead of, you know, pressing it, play side, you know, he just, you know, banged it right up that A gap. That's what she said. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's off into the secondary. He, he's a good player. Yeah. I'm excited what he does the rest of the season. And Divino Zigbo. He plays the role of the thumper pretty damn well. Uh, 60 yards on eight carries with a touchdown. He looked like a totally different back from last year. And we're going to need him at times this season. And Maurice Washington was impressive in his debut. Uh, He had a sidestep on one of his runs that there's an audible gasp throughout the stadium. Everyone kind of had their breath taken away collectively. There are some moments that he still tries to do the typical high schooler outrun everybody to the corner. There was an outside zone run play in the second quarter that uh, Foster and Hymas really sealed off, you know, their defenders really well. And instead of just cutting it up right when he saw that, he tried to get outside of them initially before cutting up inside their board. Blocks and he's limited to a four-yard gain, where a bit more decisiveness, vision, and you know, not trying to push the ball out to the, the corner probably would have yielded a much bigger gain. Let's go ahead and talk now because Adrian Martinez. I mean, they made a big deal out of this in in the telecast, and and it's no secret to Husker fans. But you know, first real contact that he's had. You know, meaningful contact since the end of it. You know, 2016, the end of his uh, junior year of high school. First true freshman uh, to start a quarterback for Nebraska. And aside from one or two maybe bad decisions, one of them that almost resulted in a in an interception that was reminiscent of some, you know, previous Martinez quarterbacking and and uh, such. I thought he played a solid game. You know, was successful through the air and on the ground. Uh, let's. You know, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Adrian Martinez because now there's a, a question mark, and, and you can say what you want. I, I'm still internally debating whether or not I want to mention the name of the uh, a quarterback who left the program just a couple weeks ago, but that's a big role to fill, and it sure would have been nice to have, uh, you know, a redshirt, uh, you know, sophomore or, or you know, redshirt freshman in that in that role, ready to ready to go, who's been here and, and was game ready but uh uh adrian martinez man he 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 was impressive and and uh you know tweak knee or whatever a, a definite bright spot yeah definite bright spot he he looked like the quarterback that was definitely needed for a long time um throwing across his body rolling to the left hitting receivers in stride not on those crossbody throws but there should be a comma separate <laughs> One for each thought. It speaks for itself. What? I said uh, I said a comma to separate each thought. Exactly. 
we all just start saying comma, comma. Right. Um, yeah, his running ability spoke for itself on the quarterback dart play, where you know it's the quarterback draw where we pull the backside tackle around, and that tackle leads up to a linebacker kind of on ice quarterback iso type run. Um, his zone read game was really polished on his two touchdown runs. The dive option plays that we run out of the shotgun, um, those need some work, but it's more of a case of needing, you know, just more reps, especially in a game situation to get everything timed up perfectly. It was pretty characteristic of OU in the Switzer wishbone era to have a lot of fumbling issues early in the season until things got well-oiled and clicking. So they'll come with game reps and, had we had a game last week, it, those issues likely could have been ironed out, just like a lot of our issues. I think if we would have played Akron last week, we win yesterday, just because we you know, knew what we needed to clean up. And uh, so not bad, all things considered. What, you was, what was your takeaway? You know, and, and obviously Scott Frost is going to do you know, his job of talking up his team. Uh, but when he came out, you know, into the media, you know, after the practices or, or towards the end of game week before leading up to Colorado, he says, you know what? I mean, I, they, they say that the team takes the greatest strides from that first game to second game. Um, and he, he said that, you know, in practice, they, they looked much improved. So you think that's just some coach speech or do you think that, that there's a, an element of truth to that? Oh, I think there's a definite element of truth to that. You should also have to remember that you're playing against a team an opponent that their players are on scholarship and their coaches have big contracts and they're the X factor. They're going to throw a few wrinkles at you as well. They're going to punch you in the mouth and see how you respond. They're going to do things that, you know, exploit you. And so now that we have that under our belt, we can start kind of getting an idea of different techniques that defenders are going to use against our O linemen, different blitzes that coordinators are going to call or, in the case of our inside zone plays, how a team's going to defend the inside zone. Colorado, would we tried to run inside zone to the weak side away from the tight end quite a bit yesterday. And Colorado would slant their defensive linemen towards the tight end, and then their linebackers would fill away from the slant. You know, it's like Newton's third law. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You know, the lineman's going one way into a gap, linebackers have to fill the other way into the vacated gap. And so that kind of cross-saw technique, you know, going both directions that they're using, we we may not have been thinking that they were going to utilize that particular run blitz against us. Well, now we know. And our opponents also know. They're going to see that on tape, and they're going to utilize it in games against us. But we can also game plan for it and be prepared for it as well. And, sure. You know, either block it better know what's coming or maybe we'll avoid calls all to inside zone plays altogether in situations where defensive coordinators will use that cross saw uh run blitz. so it'll be interesting i mean in terms of play calling i'm not exactly you know not exactly at the pay grade of being able to you know criticize a play caller like scott frost right he can do what he does Obviously, as we've all seen, he might he might be the best in the country, you know, even better than Lincoln Riley. But um, you know, I I didn't really care for that inside zone play on fourth and two, especially with the way that we allowed some uh, you know three hitters 
to the ball and we couldn't finish blocks and we had issues with communication up front. And I'll, that's one of the plays I'll be breaking down this week in my article you know, on Tuesday. But it's stuff like that that we get an idea of with actual gameplay. You know, it's one thing to rep what you what you see from an opponent on tape in practice, and then in game they're going to throw a new curveball at you. They're going to they're going to have a wrinkle that they're ready to send right down the pike at you, nacing the hole. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a learning experience yesterday. And sometimes, as much as we all hate losing, losing sucks. Sometimes losing can be a very good teacher moving forward. I think one aspect of the team, you know, without getting into special teams, and, and we'll talk about that another time, uh, but wide receivers, you know, they were coming in expected to have some depth. Uh, Stanley Morgan Jr., uh, J.D. Spielman, Tyjon Lindsay. I thought they all performed well. Mike Williams, the, the JUCO transfer, uh, you know, had a, a big catch. Just it, it, they're going to be a little unsung because – you know, Martinez ended up getting hurt, couldn't finish the job, uh, and uh, Andrew Bunch came in, didn't have as much success, and and the Huskers put up over 300 yards rushing in in their first you know venture out of the season. So the the rushing in the offensive line is going to get a, a lot of praise, but but the I thought the receivers, I mean, there uh, was a. a, a you know, breadbasket catch that ended up, you know, it would have been a touchdown, but I think it was dropped. I think that was Morgan. Um, could have, you know, changed the, the narrative of the entire day. But overall, I thought that the uh, wide receivers did what they needed to do. Uh, you know, had some nice downfield blocking on the run plays. And, uh, and uh, you know, when you start talking about end arounds and, and uh, things like that, uh, you know, options, uh, the some of those uh, option pitches didn't necessarily work in Nebraska's favor, but at the same time, Tyjon Lindsay got free for a few yards on some. But uh, when you look at the wide receiver core, uh, obviously there's room to improve because there always is. But I, I do think that that they played pretty well. Yeah, they 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 did play pretty well. Uh, the drops were killer. Um, you never want to just point to a singular moment in a game and say, you know that play or that player lost the game for us, but that drop really didn't help our chances. Um, but yeah, first game and, you know, there, we had some, we had a few issues at first, you know, keeping Colorado out of the backfield early in the game. They were bringing a lot of heat, but you know, they, they did what they're, you know, advertised to do what the, uh, what the off season talk about them has been about. I wish we would have gotten J.D. Spielman a little bit more involved. You know, he had three catches and a carry off of the jet sweep. and You know, he had that one drop, you know, on third down. That was killer. But that's a guy that probably needs about eight or nine touches a game. And, you know, it did double-digit looks and targets for sure. Um, and and I, I did make a note here uh, after the uh, after Spielman's touchdown. I, I said Martinez to Spielman for the score is something that I want to hear for years to come. Uh, I want that duo, that tandem, to haunt Big Ten defenses until 2020. And I mean, it's up to you know. I mean, it, it's out of my hands. I'm just a, a spectator on the side, but but uh, the the capability is there. That's something that. 
man, I, I, I would love if, if those two just became magic, uh, you know, for Nebraska. And, and I think it could happen. I think so, too. Uh, it's been a damn long time since I've seen a quarterback hit a receiver in stride like that. Well. At Nebraska. We, we have a quarterback now, and uh, his name is Martinez, and don't let that scare you. So, Yeah, he's, he's much more steady at the wheel than the previous Martinez. Uh, we, we, uh, we don't give grades here on uh, the Five Heart Podcast. You can see the, the report card on coordination.com. It's up right now. Um, but give, give me your final thoughts on the first game of the season. We know it was a loss. It was a, a bit of a heartbreaker, and certainly not how – we all thought the game would go. Although I was close on the score, I was just wrong on, you know, which team would end up winning. But, Hoss, your final thoughts on, on that Colorado game, and then we'll uh, uh, put a pin in it and, and reconvene later in the week to preview uh, the Troy Trojans. I would probably, if I had to give it a grade, I would probably say a C plus. All right. See, I was thinking B minus, so... Yeah, I, 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 B minus. You know, it's right on the border there. It's about a, it's about seventy nine point four percent. You know, I was gonna say eighty one, but you know, as the professor, I don't round up. <laughs> um. All right. So uh, obviously, improvements to be made. You know, got to take care of that. Uh, you know, ball security, which, as you mentioned, and I think, you know, conventional wisdom. If you play that Akron game, you know that's you know, less likely to happen in the Colorado game. But uh, uh, Troy comes to town this weekend, and uh, they are one and one and uh, not not a horrible team. They, I mean, they didn't beat anybody this past weekend. They played Florida A&M, the Rattlers, and won 59-7. So ability to score, but we'll have to see if they can do it in a, a little bit different environment in Memorial Stadium. So coming up later this week on the Five Heart Podcast, we will uh, preview the Troy Trojans game, hopefully with somebody uh, to talk about them from the Sunbelt uh, Conference SB Nation site. And uh, hopefully we can get John Johnston on here again to make fun of the Troy Trojans because it's it's so much fun uh, talking with John. And, Haas, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, buddy. Uh, let, let's Let's get out of here and, and get some sleep. And uh, uh, next week when we talk this time, Huskers will be one and one and, and getting ready to go to the big house, which is – not the record we thought they'd have heading to the big house, but uh, uh, we also didn't expect a rain out against Akron. So uh, my name is Greg Mahachko, and he is Haas Reuter, and uh, that's it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast, where we remind you this week and every week, and beginning this week, twice a week, that Five Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Win the damn week. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.